0: hey y'all it's janice here aka j nice on the mic and this is dirty diversity a podcast on all things diversity equity and inclusion this podcast is called dirty diversity because in this day and age diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, AKA J Nice on the mic. (laughs) That was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and Black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hey y'all, Jay Nice on the Mizike. I'm actually recording this one, this episode, a little bit late. We are at episode 19. So we're making progress, y'all. Um, so t- I'm I'm feeling in better spirits than I was last week. Um, I hope you are all as well. I am refreshed, renewed, and rejuvenated. And I think I needed that. Uh, Doing the work that I do, I was just drained and tired, as I think many black people have been feeling right now in the United States and beyond. But this week is, or today is Monday, June 8th, and I feel like I can... I I just feel like I am catalyzed to make a difference, and I'm just reminded of how important this diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging work is, and particularly how important racial equity work is. So the first thing that I wanted to do is give a shout out to y'all for rating and reviewing the podcast. And I just wanted to ask if possible, if you could rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you are listening. If you're listening on Apple iTunes, it's really easy to rate the podcast. If you're listening, you just scroll down Um, to the bottom of when you click on this, uh, podcast, you scroll down to the bottom and there should be an option to write a review. Um, I asked you to do this because it does help other people to find the dirty diversity podcast. So could you just take a few minutes and rate and review the podcast and I'll give you a listener shout out on the next episode. So that's the first order of business. Um. yeah, we're in a brand new month. Uh, Last week we were, but I didn't really get a chance to fully acknowledge it with everything that was going on and I was feeling really, I just felt really exhausted and sad. But today I feel, again, a lot better and I wanted to talk to y'all, but particularly to organizational leadership. What we've been seeing is a lot of performative allyship. A lot of companies say they're about that life. A lot of y'all ain't about that life. A lot of y'all say that you care about Black Lives, but Black Lives Matter has been around for nearly five years since the death of Trayvon, the untimely death of Trayvon Martin. Um, black Lives Matter has been around, and there were a lot of people who haven't been on board. There are some of you listening who may have been an all lives matter type of person, but I'm I'm glad that there's a interest in the Black Lives Matter movement and what the movement represents. Um, but I I want to encourage organizational leadership to be um, to talk the walk, to talk the talk and walk the walk. So I am actually um, going to discuss you know, how companies can do this. And I wrote a a few days ago, I wrote an article on this and I titled it, Dear Companies, Your BLM posts are cute, but we want to see policy change. So what do I mean by that? Well, you know, um, there's been a, a photo circulating and I'll leave a One of my close friends, Maya, shout out to Maya if you're listening, she um, sent me this article. And I had already actually seen a picture on Instagram of this. I guess it was someone who was asked to construct a mural for Microsoft. And um, the email, the the verbiage of the email was super problematic. And they said something like, um, they said something like, oh, make sure that you are, we're really trying to see the mural finished. Soon, ASAP, while this issue is still hot, basically. So it was really problematic, and there was a lot of backlash. And I I think we've seen this a lot where people are calling out, especially these larger companies, and saying, you know, that's all fine and dandy that you um, are about Black Lives Matter now. But when I look at your executive board, when I look at your senior leadership, if the only person of, if the only BIPOC, Black Indigenous Person of Color, in your organization is the diversity, equity, and inclusion leader, you have a problem. And I think that oftentimes in organizations, um, it when you look at senior leadership, and particularly the C-suite, what I've been noticing is you tend to see a Black Indigenous Person of Color, aka BIPOC, you tend to see Bipoc as these DEI related roles, which is great. I think that we excel in these roles. However, I think that we are more than just DEI roles. We are so talented and have so many different skills and knowledge and abilities. And I, I, it's it's sad that oftentimes you don't see us represented in the senior leadership. So. If people are calling your company out right now, you need to think about, and we're going to talk about what you can do to create changes in policy within your organization. I I will say this till I'm blue in the face. A large part of the reason why unconscious bias trainings fail is that organizations don't address the systemic issues. Organizations don't address the policies, the practices, and the procedures that allow discriminatory and biased behavior to persist. So um, I, again, discuss this in my article, which is um, linked below, but the first thing that I would encourage your organization to do, if you want to move beyond words and you want to um, show actions and you want to talk the talk and walk the walk is to talk about race. And in hindsight, um, also I forgot to shout out my book. Y'all is coming out in two weeks. I have a book, um, called dirty diversity. Um, same name as this podcast, but I have a book dropping on June 19th, which is, uh, Juneteenth, which is a day that is, uh, nationally recognized as as the day that black slaves became, um, and you can't see my air quotes, but I'm putting this in air quotes, became free. So, um, in this book, in my book, in, in my new book, I talk about this um, briefly. And I wish I had talked about this more because I have a lot of experiences with this, but um, you need to be talking about race. And I can't tell you how many times I come into an organization and I share a list of topics. But, you know, one of the topics that I love to do and I write about frequently is facilitating racial dialogue. And um, a lot of times, companies don't want me to come in and talk about these this topic or microaggressions. They'll say, "Can you talk about emotional intelligence?" And for those of you listening who don't know, I actually, a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to give a TEDx talk on emotional intelligence. And it's been a highly requested workshop topic for me. And while I enjoy emotional intelligence, and I think I have a, a good amount of knowledge regarding emotional intelligence, I don't know if I would say I'm an EI or EQ quote unquote specialist. I think I understand some practical ways to create more emotionally intelligent employees but what i really think we need more conversations about is racial equity um companies have told me before oh we don't want you to mention white privilege we don't want you to mention white fragility um, and I think that that's super problematic. Part of the reason why we're here as a country and as a nation is because we don't talk about race. Race is the pink elephant in the room that people are afraid to talk about. They pretend that it's not there, even though everyone can see it. Um, So the goal isn't to be colorblind, and I've written an article on this that has recently been circulating and making its rounds, and it's on why the colorblind mindset is problematic. I think oftentimes people's intentions are good when they say, I was raised to not see color, but the purpose is not... We as BIPOC, we as Black Indigenous People of Color, don't want you to not see our color. We want you to recognize and acknowledge our unique differences, but not use these unique differences and characteristics to make decisions about us. So we don't want you to not promote us or to promote us simply because we are Black Indigenous People of Color. So... Um, we need to increase the conversations about race. Have a diversity dinner dialogue, and, and hire me to facilitate that sort of conversation in your organization. Center your diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings around race-related topics. And I've I've been this week is probably one of the more busiest, one of the most busiest weeks of my career. As a diversity, equity, and inclusion professional, where I'm getting inundated with emails about racial equity workshops, and while I'm really excited, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I, you know, I want to see this same enthusiasm in August and in September, and I just given what I've seen. Um, I don't know if that optimism, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if that enthusiasm will still be there and I'm i am watching and I'm waiting, but you need to increase the conversations about race. So I would encourage you to center and focus your um, trainings and workshops around racial equity. Don't shy away from the topic, address it head on. I would also encourage you to have monthly inclusion events. Part of the problem and the reason why policy change doesn't happen is that we're not having the conversation or we are having the conversation, but after something traumatic and horrific occurs, you know, and I'm every single, um, organizational representative that's been reaching out to me, I let them know this and I say, whether it's with me or somebody else, you need to continue to have this conversation. One workshop or training is not going to impact change. It's the continuous workshops and trainings in addition to having employee resource groups, having a book club, a race-related book club. Um, doing all of these different things in conjunction will is what is going to catalyze change in your workplace. So Ensuring that this isn't just a one- one-off workshop or training, you need to have events. I I would encourage you to do something every month. I think monthly or uh, bi-weekly is a good, um, or I'm sorry, bi-monthly is, so every two weeks is a good amount of time. I'm part of a Toastmasters organization and we meet twice a month. And I think that that's a great amount of time to meet, um, you're able to create momentum. And since I've been in Toastmasters for the last three years, I feel like my speaking has developed immensely. For those of you who've watched my YouTube videos um, or those of you who don't know, I've been um, on YouTube since 2011. So I've been on YouTube for over nine years now. And the way that I I, I presented myself in video before, I've grown and changed uh, vastly since um, since those, uh, YouTube days. Um, and I think that Toastmasters has been really instrumental in that. And I think that the meeting twice a month has really helped every meeting I'm practicing my speaking. So I'm doing table topics. So that small two minute activity twice a month has vastly, vastly, in addition to speeches has vastly improved my speaking. So I use that example because I think that, um, we need to be doing racial equity and diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging training more frequently. Once a year ain't going to cut it anymore. So I would like to see twice a month uh, DEI workshops and events. Um, so the third thing that I really encourage you to do is I want to see you address these systemic issues Um Again, no amount of unconscious bias trainings will be helpful if you're not looking at structural and systemic inequities and racism. Look at the, and this is where you enlist the help of your HR, um, the HR department. You want to look at attrition rates, how often people are leaving the company, who is leaving the company? Is it mostly Black people? Is it mostly Latinx? the Latinx population? Is it mostly, uh, you know, Asians? Is it mostly, you want to know what groups are leaving your organization. It might be women leaving the organization or leaving senior leadership roles. So you want to assess pay and promotion rates. You want to assess turnover rates. Um, You want to assess all of these things and ensure that people of different uh, groups are being promoted and hired um, in comparable at comparable rates um, and sorry if you hear y'all hear the train in the background but you want to make sure that um, there is equity in the promotion and pay and pay is really important and um, I always uh, encourage companies to have a blind resume system um, I recently found out that the opera I think um, one of the New York operas or orchestras orchestras does some sort of blind um, system where they put a person who's applying for, I think it's a singing role or um, playing an instrument, they put you through a blind audition. So people can't see what you look like because even in the music industry, they recognize that the role that seeing someone can play on your likelihood to hire them. So rather than asking people to completely be quote unquote colorblind, which is not the goal, you see color. You know, rather than asking people to be colorblind, you want to put systems and structures in place that can mitigate our own personal and unconscious biases. So that is really important. The fourth thing that you want to do is you want to limit referral hiring. There is, and I link to um I link to two different types of um, problems that occur when you're doing referral hiring um, but essentially what tends to happen if you're hiring Bob who um, is referring his friend from Princeton or who's referring his friend from Columbia is Bob is gonna more likely to have friends that look like him and that's only gonna create a more homogenous organization and is not going to create an organization where there is a lot of um heterogene- g- heter- uh, heterogeneous group. So you want you want to encourage um, the traditional forms of hiring and you want to discourage a lot of referral hiring within your organization. Um, and the fifth and last thing that we're going to discuss is that you want to create sponsorship and mentorship opportunities. There's a wealth of research that indicates and Harvard Business Review has said this ad nauseum that, um, for, um, employees of color, particularly black employees and professionals, mentorship, but sponsorship, more importantly, sponsorship is super duper impactful in helping with the career trajectory and career progression of BIPOC. So I think that it's you want to make sure that there is some sort of mentorship or sponsorship program where that guidance is able to be had. Um, the Center for Talent Innovation did a study on Black professionals, and they found that one of the barriers um, and the reasons why there is such a high turnover rate for Black professionals in several different industries is a lack of support, perceived support that Black professionals feel. So you want to create this support system, and, and having mentorship and sponsorship programs is one of the most effective ways to do this. So, um, I, again, the article, uh, I have a lot of details in the article that um, talks about this in greater length, so it is in the show notes, but thank you all so much for listening. I had a, um, there was a rise in listeners last week, and I think because of the topic was very relevant to what's going on in our country, so I just wanted to thank y'all for listening. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I, I greatly appreciate that. I hope you all have a magnificent and amazing week. I have a jam-packed filled week this week of so many speaking engagements and workshops and and it's a lot. And I also have to get a new fridge and freezer sometime this week. Probably going to happen next weekend. But um, so, yeah, I have a really busy week. So next time I chat with you uh, next Monday, we'll reconvene and catch up. But until then, I will check y'all out later.